We are back from New York. Uh, Michelle and I went and, and spent a few days up there on a pastor's retreat. One, we, we went to the city. We, the pastor's retreat was uh, started Thursday evening, and it went all the way to uh, through Saturday. And then I had a great opportunity to preach at one of our friends, actually a church that was planted out of uh, uh, the Tucson Church in Poughkeepsie, New York, a couple of years after we planted out. So I got to preach in his church, and that was a blessing. He's going through some of the very stuff that we went through not so long ago so I can relate and able to encourage him. And, and uh, so that was pretty exciting. He's actually going to be in town. He's visiting for a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm going to do what I can to see if maybe we can have him come out and visit, maybe even preach, but if nothing else, just visit, uh, and you guys get to meet him. But he's, he's someone else that, that went ahead and said yes as well and, and, and stepped out to the calling of God. And, uh, but anyway, we get there a day. We had a day and a half early to to uh, just walk the city. We've never been to the city before. We wanted to go to, to New York City. We stayed in Manhattan um, at a place called, what, the, the Pod at Times Square or something like that. Little tiny itty-bitty rooms with nothing but a bed and a bathroom in it, but the best sound dampening I've ever heard in my entire life. You would open the window, and you would just hear the craziness, the honks, the sirens. You shut the window, not a thing. It was, it was amazing how good it worked. Hallelujah, I'm going to install some of those in my kids' doors, so that way we can, hallelujah, no, actually, my kids aren't half bad. Um, yeah, we just got one left, living at home yet. Um, but yeah, so we went and we walked the city, we, we tried to see everything in one day, don't attempt to do that. Um, we have a picture of my pedometer on my wrist here, we walked, it was 28,000 steps we walked that day, it was about 13 miles, so we walked really, really well that day, the next morning we couldn't hardly walk as we tried to get up and go move stuff around. But it was, it was a good time. We saw some interesting stuff. Apparently a lot of people smoke pot in New York, just up and down the street all the time. And uh, it's also uh, not uncommon to just see someone drop a dump on the side of the sidewalk. So that was uh, uh, unfortunate. But uh, it was actually amazing that, that you, know, you, you get this perception in your head that you know, New Yorkers are gruff and, and, and maybe not too polite or nice, but actually every there was, was very, very nice. It's definitely a different way of communicating, but they were, they were all very nice, and if you ask them questions, they're really, what I mean by that is, is they're very short, you know, we're in, we're, in there, we're in there ordering some pizza, and the guy's like, I'm asking questions, you know, apparently you're not supposed to ask questions about what's going on, so I'm like, I'm like hey, what is this stuff? And he's like, it's this. What about this? It's just this. So how did we do this? We just heat it up. Anything else? I'm like, well, yeah, I think I'd like a slice of that. Anything else? Um, a slice. Anything else? I'm like, geez, Louise, what is going on with these people? And then I, we get done ordering. He's like, he's like, all right, thanks. I'm going to give you guys a soda as well. So like, he's being totally <laughs> nice, throwing stuff in, but definitely a different way of communicating. Much faster. Apparently, they're they're busier there than we are, so they got to talk faster. But it was it was an amazing time. It was a great time. We were able to to get some some rest and see some stuff that we've never seen. Um, turns out it can take an hour and a half to drive 4.2 miles from JFK to the, uh, to the place we were staying in Manhattan. Um, but uh, the, the meat of what we were doing is we went to this pastor's retreat. It's uh, the, the pastor Andy Elms from England. He's one of our, our friends, was hosting it in Kingston, New York. And uh, he, it was just supposed to be a time for pastors to get together um, and just be able to, to, to worship together, to learn together. And, and it was something that I didn't realize how bad I needed it until we got there. And truth be told, had some amazing breakthrough there. 
you guys would have been embarrassed of me i cried like almost the whole weekend like i was i was i was apologizing i'm like i'm not normally like this i promise i don't know what's going on but god was, was touching me and he was moving me and there was a couple things that i want to to uh to sh- <laughs> yeah my wife says that she i was i was crying more than her which is very uncommon <laughs> but uh God had some stuff to deal with, and and one of the things that uh, he was talking about while we were there is that um, when the kind of charismatic movement started, it was the the, the cradle level was kind of on Azusa Street, and that's when when really people started experiencing and operating in, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And at the time, though, the what it started as is kind of the the few people that were were operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they would be the kind of the front runners up on stage. They're the ones that people went to see to get healed, or or you know the the prophets and the evangelists and stuff like that. They would go and they're operating in these gifts, but it was the people up on stage that was doing all the operating. And 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 Pastor Andy said that, uh, and I believe him that God's been speaking to him, and we're going to shift from a season of having the person up front doing it to where it's time for the 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 just the every person in the body of Christ is going to be standing up and, and operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and really stepping out and, and using the, the gifts in an in in effort to, to reach people. You know, that's the, the key is that the gifts of the Spirit, and actually it's what we're talking about today, where people filled with the Spirit as we continue our culture um, series, uh, but it's there for us to reach people. And one of the things that I was imagining, how much do you think, uh, how much greater of an impact might you have with somebody if you're sitting at a restaurant and the server comes up and, and God puts it on your heart that, that they have somebody in their family that's hurting and asks you to pray for them, and you say, you know what, uh, you know, God just has been speaking to me right now, and, and he's telling me that you have an aunt that's not doing well, and I would just love to pray with you. And how, um, how much of a door do you think will open when you're able to step out into those gifts and have some boldness? and get rid of that fear and begin to minister into people's lives. And I think that it's going to start enabling us to make the impact that we want to make if we will just go ahead and, 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 and surrender to what God wants for us and step out on those gifts. So one of the things as we're going through this that we'll, we'll talk about, but I want to encourage you guys, if God has laid something on your heart to share with us, let me know. We'll get you a microphone so that you can share. We don't want to, to hinder any of the gifts of the Spirit. We want people to be able to move freely in them because God has given those gifts through the Holy Spirit to edify the church. Amen? And that's the first thing that we were encouraged. The second thing that uh, really stood out to me the first day, and it's something that I didn't realize. This is one of those things that I broke down and, and cried like a little girl for like half an hour because I didn't realize how much it was affecting me until this. But he said, it's also a time for miracles, church. We need to start believing for miracles, actually believing this stuff's going to happen. And uh, one of the examples throughout the weekend that he used was when um, Elisha was talking to the king and the, uh, uh, Elisha was sick. He's getting ready to die. And he goes and talks to the king. They're getting ready to fight a battle. And, and he, the, he tells the king to pick up an arrow and shoot it out. And then that was kind of the declaration of war against the uh, Assyrians, I think. Was it the Syrians, Joseph? Syrians? Yeah. So, um, and then he says, pick up the arrows and strike the ground with them. And he picks them up and he struck the ground three times and he stopped. And I said, why did you stop? I wish that you would have hit it five or six times because because you only hit it three times, you're only going to have three victories. But had you hit it five or six times, it would have been a decisive victory. You would have had more 
And what we're encouraged is it's time to pick up our arrows and start beating them against the ground and not giving up and not stopping and starting to believe God for the miracles in your life that you're looking for. And that can go from anything in your personal life to stuff in the church and to the city of Marana. Begin to beat your arrows against the ground and don't stop. Let's start believing God that he's going to do miracles in this city because there are so many people out here that have no hope. There's so many people that, are, are, that need him. So he, when he was talking about this stuff, God began to speak to me. And I've already shared this with the leadership team. But he began to speak to me to, to start dreaming again. Let's start dreaming about what God wants for us here in Living Hope Family Church. Because we may not be super huge, but God can do amazing things through small churches. Start dreaming and start seeing how you can get invested. We just talked about uh, how we can get involved in the schools, and some of the stuff is super easy, right? Um, I know one of the things is we need seat backs, and I believe Norma's volunteered to sew them, but she needs the material. So can we provide material so she can make these seat covers for the church or for the school? One of the things is so easy, anybody here can do it in this room. It won't cost you a thing but a little bit of your time. There, and it'll probably have to be more next year. I think we're running out of time this year, but they're looking for people to just sit and listen to the kids read. Let's dream. How can we make an impact in this city? How can we make a difference? And there are other things back there that are bigger as well, but we can, we can start thinking and dreaming how we can make an impact and have an opportunity to share the gospel with people. But when I was asked, what are, are the miracles that I'm believing for? And I gave three. And I would like you guys to begin to stand with me, to begin praying with me and believing with me for these things. One is that, that uh, uh, as most of you guys know, I'm, I'm a bivocational pastor. I work full-time. Um, there's nothing, I don't draw a stipend or anything from the church, and I do everything on a volunteer basis. And I remember one time somebody saying to me, you know, because uh, I've said that before, and I try not to say it as much, but uh, I was told that, you know, that makes people feel guilty when I, when I share that, that, that I'm doing this for, like, maybe they're not giving enough or whatever, and and I begin to think about why do I share this? Why do I tell people that? Because it's really not important to really. And I, I begin to think the reason I do it is because I want people to know that I'm committed. I'm not here for a paycheck. I'm not here for a little bit of extra money. I'm committed to serving in this church and serving in this community in this city. That's why I share that. But we're coming to a point where it is starting to, to wear on me. And the thing that I realize that wears on me the most is not that I get tired. I am tired. And I'm more out because we're always doing something. And that's not where's on me the most because God can, can fill me. God can give me rest. God can give me strength. And he's done it for six and a half years. But what really hurts in my spirit is that I'm torn. I'm stuck between two things. And I, I want more than anything to be able to have all of my time, all of my energy, all of my labor focused on the kingdom of God. Because right now I do have a significant portion of my time that I have to, to focus in, in my regular job. And I, I can't stop doing that because as Christians, how many know that you're called to be the best employee, employee at, your, at your work? Because you're not working for man, you're working for God. So I can't go in there and just uh, do nothing. But I am torn. And I, one, that's the first miracle that, that, I, that I'm believing God for, that I'm beating my arrows for. And I would ask that you guys would just pray with me in your own time, and your own prayer time. And let's believe that God would open a door, an opportunity, that uh, we would be able to, to do that. And, and uh, the truth is, church, for that to happen, we would probably have to double in size. 
at least double to have the, the financial resource to do that. I praise God. He has been so faithful. For those of you who have been with us for a long time, know that when we started in this building, we were about $2,000 in the hole every month, and we went through our savings in a few years, and then God, right as we were about, God is so good, right as we were about to not have any money left, all of a sudden now we have enough every month to, to, to pay the bills. We're not in, in, in any, any issues that, you know, we're not doing uh, bad financially as a church because you guys are so incredibly faithful. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you believe in what we're doing here, and, and, you, and you, you guys honor God with your giving because he's worth it. And I thank you all for that because that means we're in a good place here. But in order for us to get to a place where, where, where I, could, I could go full-time because, unfortunately, I still do have bills to pay, um, it would probably need a, at least a doubling in the church. So pray for that. The next thing that is, is really a tough thing for me, which is also in the same vein, is, is I'm believing God to send a worship leader and more worship team members um, because... That's another thing where I'm torn between two things. I, my, my, my purpose in this church is to, to teach and to minister into your lives and to really develop the, my leadership team so that they can invest into your lives. But I'm, even in the church, I'm torn between two different uh, uh, responsibilities. And you guys remember the story of, uh, of Paul when they're talking about serving the widows, and Paul said, we shouldn't be doing this. We should be... Uh, uh, ministering the Word of God. And it's not because they were lazy, but it's because God had given them a responsibility and a role too. And, and God has given me one as well. So if you would stand with me on that and beat your arrows with me and believe that God would send somebody um, to, to be able to, that I can hand off that mantle to. And then thirdly, and this is the biggest thing, this is, and the truth is, this one will actually solve the other two, is I want to see salvation. Over the years, we've seen a handful of salvations. You know, we uh, maybe half a dozen a year at most. Um, and that's good. I rejoice for every single one of them. You know what? If one person gets saved through this ministry, that would be enough. Because that's one person that, is, that has had their life changed. They're going to spend eternity with God. But I want to see more. I want to see this city won for Jesus. I want to see salvations on a regular basis. I want, to, I want to be able to see people giving their lives and having their lives changed and turned around, and it be something regular here, not something that, that we're, we're surprised by, but something that is commonplace. Not in the sense that, that any, anybody giving their life to Jesus is common, but in the sense that it's an expectation that we would have here. So uh, that's the other thing. Beat your arrows with me and believe that we're going to see salvation, that we're going to have um, effective strategies for evangelism, and truthfully, that we're going to need we're going to need help. We're going to need people stepping in to help us evangelize this city, so that we're we're not just we don't want to be a church where we're just getting people moving from other churches. We want to see people getting saved. We want to see lives touched. We want to see people just give their heart to God. And uh, I believe that's what God has for us. So. Those are the three things. To believe again, if you guys would just stand with me, make that a part of your regular prayer life to pray with me for that. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, let's just believe God for that. And now that I've spent most of my time on something that's not even my message, we're going to go ahead and get into this. And uh, I will go through it um, as quickly as I can, but I want to be thorough with it as well. Um, yeah, can you open this for me? forgive my my voice and being stuffed up i think i got some allergies or something going on and it is not fun 
that's why my, my, my voice was so deep and awesome during worship. Did you hear that? Ah, hallelujah. You guys ever seen, uh, uh, what was, what's the show with Moto Moto on it? Madagascar? <laughs> Got that one hippo? <laughs> Moto Moto, the name's so nice you gotta say it twice. So I always say to my wife, he's talking to the other hippo, and he's like, girl, you huge. <laughs> Hallelujah. Works better with his voice. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Let's bow our head as we come to it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your great love. And Father, I pray, Lord, as we are running on a little bit more limited time, that you would give me the words to speak, that you would allow me to speak clearly. Lord, that uh, all confusion, all fear would fall away from this subject, Father. And I pray, Lord, that we're ready to receive what you have for us this morning. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. So like I say, as we're continuing in our, our series of the culture of Living Hope Family Church, which is basically we're talking about who we are as a church, what we believe, what we stand for. And, uh, you know, much of this stuff you can jump on our website. There's a, a who we are page or what we believe page. You can learn uh, uh, the quick uh, bullet points about this stuff. But I really want to spend some time in this series as we do every year to really talk about who we are, why we believe what we believe, and, 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 and why we live this out. And today, the subject is being uh, that we're a people who are filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit. If you didn't know, we are a, uh, a charismatic church. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that therefore today, as you heard me say this morning, we believe that for every single believer. There's not just super saints who get the gifts of the Spirit, but it's for every single believer, and we'll look at that today. One of the things that we'll talk about is that the being filled with the Holy Spirit is actually subsequent to salvation. This is not the same thing as receiving the Holy Spirit when you're saved. There's a, uh, an event subsequent about it that, that uh, uh, I guess the best way to describe it is, is salvation is the Holy Spirit in you, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit on you. And some refer to it as being filled with the Holy Spirit. I've heard some people refer to it as being baptized with the Holy Spirit. The name's not really important. It's just that we understand that this is the one subsequent to salvation. And this is when the Holy Spirit is either poured out on them or it falls on them. And that's what we want to talk about today. What exactly is this baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do you get baptized with the Holy Spirit? And how do you know you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And then really we want to look at what is the purpose? Because the truth is, is this is when we are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we can go ahead and edify and build up the church. And I briefly talked about earlier, there was a, a time when the person on stage is the one who did it, but we're past that church. It's time that the body of Christ step up and, and step out into what God has called for them. These gifts are for the church. These gifts are to give us power. Because we don't go out into the world without power, weak, and with, with, with nothing but ourselves. Thank God for that. I'm not very good at most of this stuff. I'm usually afraid. I'm usually, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to, but with the Holy Spirit, we have the power to overcome every fear that we deal with. And not only that, he'll give us the words to speak so that we would be effective. And finally, we are to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not a bad thing. It's not a prideful thing. The, the, the matter of fact, the, the Bible says, as we'll read, that, that we're not only to desire the gifts, we're to desire the greater gifts. And as a church, I pray that every single one of us would operate in them. So let's begin with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are variety of, varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So one, remember that the gifts of the Spirit are from the same Spirit. It's not a bunch of different things coming from different directions. It's all from one Spirit with one purpose, to build the church. In verse 7, it says, To each of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. How many of us? Each of us. I didn't say it, God said it. So in case anybody's curious. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. This is something to keep in mind here when we're talking about tongues later. But there are various kinds of tongues, not just one. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one in the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. One, I want you to understand that this list isn't exhaustive. This is, there's, there's not a set lift, and that's all there is. In uh, Romans 12, 6 through 8, it says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion of our faith, if service and serving and teaching and his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in general. You didn't know you could, you could contribute in generosity according to the Holy Spirit. That's when you, you, you reach in your neighbor's pocket and give like you always wanted to. The one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There are so many gifts to the Holy Spirit and what he empowers us to do. But gifts are always for the common good of the church. Gifts are always to edify the church. It's certainly not to edify one person to a status of, of worship, being worshipped, really, to a status of, of idol. That's not what they're for. They're not to elevate the individual person operating them. They're to elevate the church through that operation. And not everyone will operate in every gift. And if you operate in a gift, it doesn't make you greater than somebody else. Because the gifts moving inside of us have nothing to do with us. They have nothing to do with our accomplishment. They have nothing to do with any of that. It's as He will. As the Holy Spirit wills is how we operate in to edify the church. Now, the truth is, is that you can push back the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that, uh, uh, and I think it's relevant everywhere, but as we were praying the last night, and he was asking people to believe. God, God, God spoke to me and he said that what's happening right now is that there are many people that are standing with their arms raised high physically, but in their spirit, they got their arms straight out. Because sometimes we want to decide how God can work in our lives. We want to direct how he can move. Imagine what would happen if you would just put your arms up and surrender and let him move as he will and see what he would accomplish. Because the gifts of the Spirit are never a reflection of you, but they're always a reflection of God in you. They're God's power working through us. And how many of you guys have ever heard, some people, that this is a, a pretty common thing in the charismatic or Pentecostal movie, but everybody has a gift. Anybody, everybody has at least one gift. But you know what? I, I think we can have more than one gift. Matter of fact, the Scripture encourages us to seek these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will still show you a more excellent way. We're supposed to, we can operate in more than one of these at different times. One of the things that you should be praying for, specifically if there's a need, 
is that God would begin to work inside of you to, 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 to give you something that could make a difference, to edify, to lift up. Desire these gifts. It's not a wrong thing. And I believe that if we will start desiring Him and put our hands up instead of out, then God will start using us to, to, to administer them, to make a difference. And I get it. Particularly, we're going to talk about talking in tongues later. This stuff can seem weird. It can seem odd, like, you know, you guys are crazy for believing in this stuff. But the truth is, is, is just because something might seem weird or strange doesn't mean it's not biblical. It doesn't mean it's not true. And the truth is, I think if we would start being crazy enough to believe that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he's going to do, we will see miracles like we've never seen before. We will see people coming to Christ like we've never seen before because we've, we've put our trust fully in him. But for each and every one of us. But as we talk about these things, these gifts of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Spirit, what exactly is it? What does it mean? When does it happen? In John 20, 19 through 22, it says, On the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. I want to make uh, clear today, and it's evidenced in Scripture, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is after salvation. It's after receiving the Holy Spirit. So this is right after Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead, and he, he presented himself to the disciples. And then it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This was about salvation. This was about them receiving the Holy Spirit, being have a, a brand new spirit placed inside of them. The old spirit was dead and gone. Now they had a new one. They received the Holy Spirit and they were saved at this moment. And it's an amazing picture too because when he said, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, they were made alive again in that moment. And it's just like when, when, when God picked up Adam and he breathed on him and life came inside of him. That's actually what this is a picture of, just like he breathed in Adam and Eve. He breathed into us when we get born again and we are made brand new. We are raised from death to life at that moment. And this is the moment of salvation. This is what it looks at. And the reason why I bring this up is because it's important to understand what happens here to recognize that being filled with the Spirit or baptized with the Spirit or the Holy Spirit coming on you, however you want to refer to it, is subsequent to this act. Because in Acts 1, 3-5, he says he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. <laughs> what the heck is Jesus talking about? He breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit, and then he says, but in not many days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit? You see, this illustrates the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit in salvation and having the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit come upon you in, in uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is what he's talking about. He's, he's talking about a time after he breathed on them. And the reason why we know it happens afterwards, because if you know the story, one, he breathed on them while, before he had ascended. But when does this happen? 
This happens after he ascended. So they can't be the same instance. They can't be the same thing that he's talking about. It's something different. And he says, you heard from me about the promise of the Father. And you can read about that in Luke 24, 49. It says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city till you are clothed with power from on high. Go for my water again, please. These are not the same thing. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not the same as when you got saved. It's something that happens afterwards. And the great news is, is that we get to see what actually happened when this happened. In Acts 2, 1 through 4, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. This is after Jesus has ascended. So he's already told, he already breathed on them. They already received the Holy Spirit. It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And, the filled, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. This was exactly what Jesus was talking about. This was something different, something separate. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began doing things that people hadn't seen before. It's an interesting thing to, to look up and study in your own time, but this was actually the same day that the law was given. But these people were already saved, and Jesus had already said, receive the Holy Spirit, but then tongues as a fire appeared to them, and it rested on each and every one of them. And it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the interesting thing is, is that you can read through the book of Acts, and they're filled more than once. People that have been filled before are filled again. I heard once, once uh, person joke about it said it's because we leak we need to be filled again and again but it says that they they began to speak in other languages other tongues and then later on it says others were hearing them in their own language you know many people i think uh misread this verse and, and they think that it says that they began speaking in the the tongues of other nationalities they were speaking other people's language but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if that were the case, how could everybody with different languages understand them in their own language if they were all speaking a, a, a specific one? They were speaking in tongues just like you've heard other people speak in tongues maybe in this church or other places. It, it wasn't understandable to anybody else except for the Holy Spirit. Let them hear it in their own language. There was 13 different languages spoke that day. And every one of them stood in their own at the same time that Peter was speaking. And then it says they spoke. This is something that's really important because they were all filled with the Holy And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. One of the things that we'll talk about when we talk about speaking in tongues is you still got to open your mouth. You still have to speak. It's not, you know, when I was younger and I was hearing about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, I was, I was mistaught on a lot of it, but in my head I had this idea that it was going to, anybody ever seen the Avatar, the last airbender? I know some of you guys haven't. You guys have seen it over there? You remember when he, he goes into the Avatar mode and his eyes start glowing and he's like not under his own control? That's, that's kind of what I thought happened with the Holy Spirit. Like when the Holy Spirit came upon you, your eyes roll back in your head and, and the, the, the God is moving through you. That's kind of the picture I had in my, my head, but that's not consistent with Scriptures. It says that they began to speak, they opened their mouth, they started to speak, but then the Spirit gave them utterance. 
It was required of them to speak. That's why when you, when you pray or you speak in tongues, you can do it at any time that you want. It's not something that is, it is, is controlled by somebody else. It's not controlled by, it doesn't have to be a, a special moment. We do it in faith. We begin to pray. We can pray in tongues anytime that we want because the scripture says that it's the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. That also means that if you have somebody gives you a gift of prophecy, you don't have to jump up in the middle of the aisle and begin to scream it out. You come up and you speak to one of the leaders and get permission to share it one because what we need to we need to verify what's being said because if you say something crazy without me talking to me about it i might have to 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 say something and deal with it but you're it's the the it's subject to the prophet which means that even though god gives you something you choose when to relay that to somebody else but we choose to speak and it's the spirit that gives us utterance and this is what happened when, when, when it happened with, with, with Jesus. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, you just heard me pray in tongues right now. You're like, that is crazy. What the heck was he just doing? That was so weird. Is he drunk? And that's exactly what happened when this happened that day. This is how I know that uh, uh, when, when they were speaking, that they weren't speaking in the actual lung, the languages they were hearing, because if they were, why would he say were they drunk? If it was known languages of the time. In Acts 2, 16 through 21, it says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet, a Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. My favorite joke I've ever heard on this verse is something my pastor said I find hilarious. It says, The... the uh, Young men shall see visions, and the old men shall dream dreams. You know why there's a difference? Because the old men are always sleeping. <laughs> and it goes on, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This was actually Peter's rebuttal because they said, are you drunk? And Peter goes, are we drunk? It's not even 9 a.m. yet. Some people can't say that, but that's what Peter said. But Joel prophesied that this would happen. That's what this is, is, Joel, is Joel's prophecy. He says, this was uttered in these last days. It shall come to pass. And that's really interesting because Joel was written probably 1900 B.C. to 400 B.C. At minimum, 400 years before that happened, almost and it could be as old as 2,000 years before this happened, Joel, Joel prophesied that this would happen. And by this power, many things would take place. Prophecy, vision, dreams, signs. When we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's is what we're talking about. It says that they're going to speak in other tongues. Oops, I went back too far. But he says, I'll pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. These are the things that that uh, we need to see the church operating in today again and stop being afraid, stop worrying about what people think. And instead, let's begin worrying about what God thinks and what God wants in our life. And I love it because this isn't for just a few. It says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is for everybody in an effort to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to call upon the Lord to be saved. The purpose is to empower us to minister to the lost that they would call on the name of the Lord. 
And that's the thing, is the, the gift of the Holy Spirit is just that, and it's something that we can ask for. Luke 11, 11 through 13 says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of them? What makes a good father? If you were to start laying out the characteristics, what are the things that you would think about? A good father should be loving, reliable, honest. They should provide for their family. They should discipline their family. I know most kids don't like that. But usually as you get older, you recognize it was necessary. I remember I, uh, my stepdad, when I was a, a teenager, before he came into the picture, I was getting away with murder. And when he came in, turns out that he had done all the stuff that I was doing now, so I was getting caught and getting in trouble all the time. And, oh, I hated him for it at the time. I was so mad. I hated that I was always getting in trouble because, you know, when you're young, it's, it's obviously his fault that you're being stupid and getting in trouble. But I look back now, and I'm so thankful that he was a part of my life at that time. I'm so thankful that he was there because I don't know what my life would look like today if I was able to run free like I was at the time. My mom was a single mom at the time, and, and, and man, we were just pulling the wool over our eyes. So I'm so thankful because he disciplined me. He came in at that point when I needed it the most. But a good father provides everything that you need across the whole spectrum. And when we think about what would make a bad father, it looks like the opposite, right? They discourage you. They talk poorly to you. They, they don't discipline. They abuse. They don't love. They push away. And we look at the opposite thing. And, and, but we know, even people that are bad fathers know what a good father looks like. Every single one of us know what a good father looks like. And that's what, that's what he's saying right here. What father among you would, would do such a bad thing to your kids. So if you know how to good give gifts, being evil, how would God not give you a good gift if you asked for it? So one of the things, if we want to have the Holy Spirit, if you've not yet been filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit and you would like to, the first thing you need to do is begin to pray and to ask God to be filled. And the great news is, is he's not going to go, tell you what, come to church three or four more times and we'll think about it. That's not what it says. It says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you've not yet been filled, you have to ask Him to be filled. So then the question comes, what is it for me? Maybe it's for you, Pastor Wayne. Maybe, maybe this is something for you, but is it for me? How do I know it's for me? Acts 2, 38-39 says, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, it says, Repent and be baptized, which is something that happens after salvation. You, 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 you repent and be baptized, you're saved. It says, After that, you'll have forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it says, How many of them? He said to them, Every one of you. This is for all of us. And the thing about, about this uh, baptism here, just, how many of you guys know that baptism isn't what saves you? It's putting your trust in Christ. For us, it, it's, it's an important part about being a disciple. You should be baptized. If you've not been baptized, let me know. We'll get you baptized. But it's not about your salvation. You can be saved without being baptized. But to be a disciple, to trust and follow what the Lord says, means you should get baptized. 
But for them, it was kind of like their altar call. People got saved and they baptized them at the same time. Here we, we do things a little bit differently. But he's talking about anybody who gets saved. It's for you. And not only for you, the, for the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So when we wonder, is this for me? Is it just for the super saints? The Bible is pretty clear that no, this is actually for everybody. This is for the entire church. You know, and the reason why over the past few years is that it's happened that only a few people up front would do it. One is because uh, people in the body weren't, weren't willing to step out. And two is, is we often have a limited revelation to what God actually is speaking. He showed, he revealed to the church again uh, that outpouring of his spirit, the latter-day rain, and, and, and people were beginning to get filled with the spirit. But sometimes it takes us a little while to get it, to really work through it and understand that it's not just for the people up front. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the, for the, the evangelists and the preachers, but it's for every single one of us. And I've had people think, people say that the big argument is, uh, particularly for people who don't believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today, they said, no, it was just for the early church. It was just to build the early church. It was just for the apostles. Anybody ever heard that argument? It was only for the apostles. Acts eleven fifteen through 17 says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and just as, as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So this is to, to the apostles and the, and the, the brethren, brethren in Jerusalem. Peter's actually giving his defense of why he was associating with the household of Cornelius. You remember, he was a Roman soldier. He, he wasn't a Jew. He was a Gentile. And they said, hey, wait a minute, Peter. Why are you going to the uncircumcised? And he begins to explain his vision, right? Do you remember the vision? The sheet came down, there was unclean animals on it. And he said, Peter, rise and eat. And he said, Lord, I'll never eat anything that's unclean. And then the Lord said, well, if I call it clean, it's clean. One of the things that always cracks me up when people begin to question God in anything, in any ordeal, in any situation that we're in. You know, it's, it's one of the things I appreciate about Francis Chan. He said that, that, look, if God told me that Chinese people had to stand on their head I may not like it, but I would do it because he's God, and he can make those kind of decisions. You know, and these people are, are, are raring back. No, 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 they're unclean. They're Gentiles. It's like, no, whatever God calls clean is clean because he said it. And what had happened was is this, this, this household of Cornelius, they had gotten saved. They had believed on the Lord, and they were born again. They received the Holy Spirit, but then... Peter saw something different. He saw the Holy Spirit fall on them. And he says, God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that they believed first, and then they were given the gift. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? You guys remember the book of the Apostle Cornelius? Yeah, me neither, because it doesn't exist. Cornelius was not an apostle, but him and his entire household were filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's a pretty big hole in the, uh, it's only for the apostles. Acts 19.6 says, And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. 
I really want to talk about what this looks like, being filled with the Holy Spirit, how it comes across. First, we ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. This isn't salvation. Once again, I, wanna, I know I'm laboring the same point over and over, but I want you to get it. This comes subsequent. It's something different. But the Holy Spirit came on them, and then they began speaking in tongues. Yeah, that's not going to happen today. And prophesying. He just put up a note, said I'm running out of time. You guys mind if I go? I, I took too long in the beginning. Are you guys all right? All right. We don't have too much longer, but we're going to get through it. It's important. But he laid hands. Why did he lay hands on them? Really, that's just, it's a point of, of, to release faith. When we lay hands on people, it's just to let people know that we're with them, and it's an opportunity for them to release their faith. So they ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He lays hands on them. They, they release their faith, and then they begin speaking in tongues and prophecy. When the Holy Spirit is revealed, and when the Holy Spirit is received, then the gifts of the Spirit are able to be operated in. And that's what he says here. As soon as he laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And I want you to keep in mind what happened when they received the Holy Spirit as we go ahead and, and, and look a little bit further into it. In Acts eight fourteen through 17, it says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord. Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Once again, this is another example. People believed, they got saved, but the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them. But then when they came down and laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, 44 through 47, it says, while Peter was saying these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come to Peter were amazed because the gift of the Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles, not apostles. For they were hearing them speak. How did they know the Holy Spirit fell upon them? For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? More evidence that you can be saved without being baptized. Because he said, Why would we withhold water for baptizing these people who have been saved and have just received the Holy Spirit? But I, I find this interesting is that the evidence of them being filled with the Holy Spirit was them speaking and praying in tongues. And these were, like we said, these were, these were not believers. These were Gentiles. And nearly every case in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit falls on people, they begin speaking in tongues. It's uh, one of the things that uh, uh, the, we like to refer to maybe as the, the starter gift. Really, it's the easiest one to believe for. It's a whole lot easier to begin to trust God praying tongues than it is to, to receive a prophecy and stand in front of the church and share that with the church. So we sometimes refer to it as a starting gift because it's something that every single believer can do. Every single believer can pray and speak in tongues and trust God. And uh, there are some who say that if, if you haven't spoken tongues, then, then you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not 100% sure that I, I buy into that. I think there are people who operate in other gifts. But I do believe it's a gift that every believer should desire. Because when we pray in other tongues, the Scripture says the Spirit gives us utterance. We're going to pray for things that we didn't even know we needed praying for. Because what happens is, is when we pray in our own mind, sometimes we get in our way. We, we begin to have uh, preconceptions of what God can do. 
But when you're praying in the Spirit, that's the Spirit praying. And how many of you know He knows what the will of God is? When the Spirit's praying in you, He knows what God wants to do. He doesn't have any misconceptions of what God can and can't do. So I would encourage you to pray daily in the Spirit because you never know. I think that one day we're going to get to heaven and find out some stuff happened because we were praying in tongues and we didn't even know it know what it was, but God honored those prayers. But in nearly every case in the book of Acts where the believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they began speaking in tongues. In the case of Peter and Samaria, Simon saw evidence. You remember Simon, uh, the, the magician, he, he saw evidence of them getting uh, speak, or being filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, what did he see? It's not like light shines down from heaven. Ah! He had to see something. I'm willing to bet he saw them speaking in tongues. And then in Acts 2.4, another example, when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 19.6, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were speaking in tongues and prophesying. And like I said earlier, when we do this, when we begin to trust God and have the Holy Spirit operate in us, it's, 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 you, you don't become a spiritual marionette. God's not up there with strings moving you around. You have to make a decision. You have to speak. You have to, if God gives you a word of prophecy, you have to get up and speak and share it. If he gives you tongues to, and, and I, don't, I won't go through it too much today, but we talk about there's various t- types of tongues. There's a type of tongues that is personal when you're praying in the, in, the, in the spirit, which is not meant to address the church. And that's for your own personal uh, edification in your spirit. It's actually not for your edification in your mind, the Scripture says, because we don't understand what we're saying. But it's for your spirit to be edified because you're speaking directly to God. There's also speaking in tongues where you address the church. And if you're going to address the church in tongues, the Scripture says it requires an interpreter. That's one of the other gifts, interpretation of tongues. When I'm praying to God, God doesn't need an interpreter. But if I'm going to address the church in tongues, we need an interpreter because you would have no idea what I was saying. So it's one of those things if, 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 and that, you know, that takes some courage to address the church, not knowing if somebody's going to be able to interpret. You have to trust God. And if you see somebody addressing the church in tongues, I would encourage every single one of you to begin praying to God, give you that gift so it doesn't get left uninterpreted. But there are various types of tongues. And I think that it's important that we, we, we take the time to pray in them. And like I said, we have the ability to control it. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You can do it whenever you want. It's not, you're not a spiritual marionette, marionette. You're not being controlled supernaturally. It's all about faith. I had a, a, a friend of ours. He's actually my, my who, is, who is Dale to us? He's her cousin's husband. So he's my something-in-law. And uh, one time we were talking. He doesn't believe the gifts of the spirit for today, and we were talking about it. And he said, well, when you're doing it, how do, you, how do you know that you're actually doing it? How do you know that it's real? And I said, well, I do it in faith. And he says, nobody's ever answered that way to me before. That's the only way we can do it, church. We have to do it in faith. Matter of fact, anything we don't do in faith is sin. And I remember when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's funny, they, uh, Pastor Von Gerald, a big gruff guy, he's, he's no longer with us, but he's the one where I got filled with the Spirit, and that's the day that I knew God had a call in my life. I began speaking in other tongues, and, and uh, if you hear a young believer usually first start speaking in tongues, he referred to it as the, the, the babbling words. It's kind of a, it's more of a babble. It's not developed. It's something you'll develop as you grow and continue to operate in it and, and begin to trust God in it. And, uh, but I, I was doing that, the babbling lips, and just 
doing the best I could. And I remember in the beginning, there were times when, I, I, and what I used to do is I would picture just Jesus in my mind. I would focus on him and I would begin trusting him and I would pray. But I noticed there were some times that I was praying in the spirit and there were some times that I was just making noise because I wasn't operating in faith. And I remember recognizing those times that I was just going through the motions instead of operating in faith. And I would encourage you that we do these things by faith. Everything that we do is by faith because you have to trust God. When God gives you a vision or he gives you a, a prophecy or gives you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, you have to trust God that that's him speaking and not somebody else so that you can share it with somebody else. We have to do it in faith. And all of this is done in faith. And I know that it's been life-changing for me because that was the moment when God put a call on my life. He's the reason uh, that, that that moment is the reason that I'm here today. You see, praying in tongues is, uh, is praying in the Spirit, like I said, is to God. 1 Corinthians 14.2, For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the Spirit. It's okay if you don't understand yourself. Matter of fact, if you do understand yourself, I would say that's probably weird and not right. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. You know, Paul said that in church, he would rather prophesy than speak in tongues. He was dealing with the Corinthian church. They were a mess, doing their own thing. And he says, you know what? If you're going to prophesy in church, and, and we have to recognize there's two addressing the church and, and praying in tongues. So if you're going to address the church in tongues, what was happening is they would come in, the entire church is, praying, is, 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 is speaking in tongues over top of one another, and people are coming in thinking, these people are crazy. And he said, you know what? If you're going to address the church in tongues, it needs to be done in order, no more than, than two or three, and it needs to have an interpreter. But he said, you know what? I would rather speak with my own words and prophesy than, than speak in tongues in the church because it will edify people. They can understand it. But then he said something interesting. He said, but I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. What was he talking about? If he doesn't speak in tongues to address the church, he would prefer to prophesy. What was he talking about? And he was talking about that time that he spent in prayer, speaking to God. And I would encourage you, church, to not let your feelings, your misconceptions, your preconceptions, what the world has told you, influence your decision on whether you should trust God based on the Word of God and have an influence something that will make a huge difference in your life. And I get it. It's weird. It is. I mean, if you've ever heard somebody speak in tongues, it's just kind of odd. You don't understand them. You're like, what are they doing? It's kind of weird. But just because it's weird doesn't mean it's not true. You want to know what else is weird? Somebody having a limb grow back. You want to know what else is weird? If somebody rose from the dead. Well, what about something simple that, 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 what if somebody just gets healed from a headache or a broken limb or cancer? Guys, that's all weird if you think about it. If, if we're only putting our faith in what the world knows, being supernaturally healed from any of that stuff is weird. But not a single one of us in our room would think that was weird. Matter of fact, even churches that don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if they saw somebody get healed from cancer, they rejoice. They don't consider that weird. And I've always thought that odd. Why do they find one gift weird but not another one weird? Why is one okay but the other ones aren't? And that's why Paul said, don't prohibit speaking in tongues in the church. We're not supposed to prohibit what we might think is weird. But church, don't let what the world thinks or misconceptions steal from you something that God wants you to have. Amen?
And the last thing that we'll look at today is to answer that question. Are the gifts of the Spirit for today? But you will receive power, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Has the gospel gone to the end of the earth? Has everybody, every person heard it? I would say we still need it today. The gifts of the Spirit are so that we can be witnesses in Jerusalem. And for us, Jerusalem is our local area. That's our city of Morana. And in all Judea and Samaria, think of that as your, your region. That would be like the state of Arizona or maybe the United States. It's a bigger area. And to the end of the earth. If I have to explain to you what that means, well, I'll pray for you. That means all of it. To the ends of the earth. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are so that we have power to be witnesses to the entire earth. The whole world hasn't heard. And we still need power. And like I said, dream. Begin to dream big. What would it look like instead of asking the waitress, can I pray for you? And she's like, you're weird. Instead of saying, how about that God gives you something and you say, you know what? I know that you're struggling in this area. God has showed me and I just want to pray with you. And you'll see hearts open up like you've never seen before. And I believe that we need this power. And and like I said, as we started this, as we're beating our arrows on the ground, trusting God to see salvations, to see the church grow, to see those things happen, let's put our arms up and let him work through us to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through us in this city. Amen? Amen.